Welcome to WFUV's What's What? It's Wednesday, February 22nd. What's What? is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And it includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm Taylor Massetta. Let's see What's What? in the city. Advocates are calling for transparency in the healthcare system. They're demanding the passage of the Healthcare Accountability and Consumer Protection Act. This would start monitoring city spending on employee healthcare costs. It would also reduce hospital bills to improve accessibility. The new legislation would also establish the first Office of Healthcare Accountability in the country. This office would oversee the creation of a public website that informs New Yorkers about the cost of hospital procedures. The bill is sponsored by Councilmember Julie Menon, and it has been supported by 43 other council members since. The MTA is asking social media companies to take down videos of people subway surfing on the top and side of cars. The request surfaces following the death of 15-year-old Zachary Nazario, who died on Monday while riding atop the J-train. At the MTA's board meeting yesterday, Senior Vice President of Safety and Security said that the number of subway surfing incidents have increased since going viral on TikTok. Chairman of the MTA, Jan Oliva, said they have already asked social media companies to remove these videos, but will renew their demand. This is something nobody wants to see. A 15-year-old kid just breaks your heart. Social media companies, it's not news to anybody, are not always focused on, on discouraging reckless behavior. The MTA said that they will keep following up with these companies until they can reduce fatalities. Theatergoers attending the Broadway revival of Parade last night were confronted by a neo-Nazi protest outside of the Jacobs Theater. Parade is a musical set in 1915 that portrays the true story of the wrongful conviction and murder of a Jewish man called Leo Frank. Members of the far-right white supremacist group, the National Socialist Movement, congregated last night to criticize Frank's innocence in the show. They were holding signs displaying hateful language, shouting at patrons, and handing out anti-Semitic flyers. This morning, the parade production team released a statement on Instagram that read, If there is any remaining doubt out there about the urgency of telling the story in this moment in history, the vileness of last night should put it to rest. Ben Platt, who plays Frank, also shared his thoughts on Instagram, saying it was ugly and scary, but a wonderful reminder of how special and powerful theatre can be. Starbucks is looking to produce more luxurious lattes, but they're now using an ingredient one wouldn't expect. The coffee giant just launched olive oil-infused coffees in Italy. It's called the Oleato line. It'll infuse the cafe latte, the iced shaken espresso, and their cold foam with olive oil. You can also request to customize your drink with a spoonful of oil. It gives the drinks a smoother texture and additional health benefits. Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz came up with the idea when vacationing in Italy. He saw Sicilians drinking a tablespoon of olive oil every day and decided to try some along with his morning cup of coffee. Starbucks plans to start rolling out the Oliato line in the U.S. later this spring. Every year, the Museum of Modern Art celebrates this year's documentaries at their Festival of Nonfiction Film and Media. Called the Documentary Fortnight, the festival pays homage to experimental documentaries. The films explore people's perceptions of societal change. The showcase is a two-week event that will feature 15 full-length pieces and eight short films. 
It starts tonight and will run through March 7th. If you can't make it to the MoMA, the experience is also available virtually. Members of the MoMA can access it on their website for free. And some entertainment history for you. Today is the two-year anniversary of Daft Punk's breakup. The electronic duo behind the hit songs Get Lucky and One More Time performed together for 28 years before announcing their split in 2021. But good news for Daft Punk fans, they just announced today that they will be releasing the 10th anniversary edition of their final album, Random Access Memories. It will feature nine new tracks and you'll be able to access the album on May 12th. And now let's head on over to WFEV's Riley Lucas for the latest sporting news. A lot of action going on with basketball these last 24 hours. Over here in the East, the Atlanta Hawks have officially released head coach Nate McMillan. The Hawks have made Joe Prunty the interim head coach while the rapid search for a new leader begins. The opposite has happened over in Brooklyn as the Nets have agreed to extend coach Jacques Vaughn's contract through the 2026-27 season. This comes after Vaughn took over for Steve Nash on November 1st. Over on the West Coast, Russell Westbrook is expected to sign with the Clippers for the rest of the season after negotiating a buyout with the Jazz. Seems to me Westbrook must love L.A. living. Switching over to college hoops, Alabama head coach Nate Oates is under fire for his comments about his star player Brandon Miller's role in the fatal shooting of a 23-year-old woman. Oates said, quote, can't control everything everybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. College kids are out. Brandon hasn't been in any type of trouble. He was in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Keeping things in the NCAA, the Georgia Bulldogs are disappointed they won't be receiving yet another White House invitation after winning the national championship. The Bulldogs are the first team to win back-to-back -back titles, but in the light of COVID, the team will miss out on the celebrations in D.C., Defensive lineman Warren Brinson made his feelings clear by tweeting out, quote, No invite to the White House is crazy. With WFUV Sports, I'm Riley Lucas. Thanks, Riley. Elizabeth Seton Hospital in Yonkers has been a home for kids with complex medical conditions for over 30 years. The residential centre has given them a chance to not only survive, but to thrive and pursue a full life. In a two-part series, WFUV's Nicoletta Papavasilakis walks us through the one-of-a-kind care provided at Elizabeth Seton Hospital and how they are addressing the national problem these children face when they age out of the pediatric system. Over the years, the staff at Elizabeth Seton has gotten to know their residents pretty well. They know their favorite video games and even their favorite songs. Dylan's favorite song is Sicko Mode by Drake. A recreational therapist learned that while they were bowling. Alright, bud, your favorite song, and you're gonna get a strike, right. I can feel it. But beyond this, Elizabeth Seen provides kids with the individualized care that they need. I got to see this firsthand. What you're hearing is a vibroacoustic bed in the hospital's music therapy center. It's a bed that our residents can lie on. That was music therapist Elizabeth Ingram. It's a string and it's also percussion. So if you put your hand right here, you'll feel the vibration. These vibrations help to alleviate stress. Lauren Barnett, another music therapist, says it also helps relax muscles during physical therapy. So we focus predominantly on stretching when she's on here. Um, she benefits a lot from the relaxation of the sound wave bed. And sometimes, Barnett even sings to the residents to calm them even more. 
love you Please don't take my sunshine away Next, I went to the art room. There, I found art therapist Caroline Mason and two residents making a masterpiece. So we're kind of uh, taking turns in art making. Um, so as you saw before, you know we had the, the koosh ball filled with paint. A koosh ball is a spiky, squishy ball made of rubber. Caroline and the kids were using it like a paintbrush, splattering different colors all across the canvas. So um, you had the visual where like the ball's rolling down with the paint, and then you have the sensory with, with the colors, the textures. Mason and the art therapy team tried to integrate creative ways of engaging different senses. So we might use bells while we're painting for the auditory stimulation. We might use maybe essential oils in the paint for aromatherapy. We might use ice cubes for painting to kind of have like that tactile experience too. So we try to just make it a multi-sensory experience for our kids. The art also gives Elizabeth Seen's kids the chance to express themselves. A lot of our children are nonverbal, so using the music, the art, the movement, like, that's their voice. The last stop I made was quite literally out of this world. So we use our Space Voyage Room for either relaxation or some sensory um, uplifting. That was Simone Sullivan, a recreational therapist. Light-up tiles line the space voyage room and change to the tempo of music. So right now they are actually going very calmly with the calming music, but if you put on like um, a high stimulating music, they will go crazy. The therapists change this environment depending on their residents' medical and emotional needs. So if they're in a large group and they are either desaturating with their oxygen or their heart rate is going up or they're showing other signs that they're uncomfortable, we might try them in a lower sensory environment to see if that is something that they prefer. There are also interactive elements in the room. Light switches allow the kids to turn some of these tiles on and off. By them being able to control things in this room, that gives them the autonomy to make choices for themselves, whereas sometimes they can't necessarily make um, choices for themselves in other aspects of their lives. One vital aspect out of these kids' control is what happens to them after they grow out of the pediatric system. When they turn 21, these new young adults have no choice to move out of the home they've lived in for most of their lives. For some of them, that's Elizabeth's seen children's. They are often sent to geriatric facilities that are not suited to their medical and emotional needs. But Elizabeth Seen is changing this by building the nation's first medical center specifically for young adults. In the second part of this two-part series, I will sit down with the hospital's CEO, Pat Tercy, to talk about this groundbreaking work. Stay tuned. With WFUV News, I'm Nicoletta Papavasilakis. That was WFUV's Nicoletta Papavasilakis at Elizabeth Seton Children's in Yonkers. In part two of this series, Nicoletta will talk to representatives from the hospital about what happens to kids when they age out of the program and what the residential centre is doing to help them. And that's our show for today. I'm Taylor Massetta. And I'm Maya Sargent. Check back with us tomorrow at three o'clock for more news, music, culture and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFEV's What's What at WFEVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.